Titus chapter 2. We're going to read this and uh, then we'll have prayer and then enter into this study. Titus chapter 2 verse 1. But as for you, this is Paul now speaking to Titus, his young protege. Teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the younger women. Let me ask you to take your seats. We're going to pray in just a minute. Katie, would you hand me the clicker? I forgot to bring it up. Uh, I I want to recognize, uh, before we pray, uh, the veterans. This has been Veterans Day yesterday and this weekend. Celebrations which are uh, unfortunately becoming fewer and further between. But we certainly want to say a word of recognition to the men and women who have served or are serving in our armed forces, whatever branch. And uh, I, I just could, could I ask you if you have served, I know there are several here today, uh, or are serving, would you just stand real briefly? We'd like to recognize you and say thank you for your service. Good. I I just appreciate these guys. Ed, I think you are the senior member of that group, a fading group. Ed, you served in the Korean conflict, I believe. My dad, who just passed away last year at 94, served in World War II, and fewer and fewer of those World War II vets are among us. But uh, we will pray a, a word of, of gratefulness for our country and for... Um, the, uh, the men and women who have fought to help us enjoy the freedoms that we have today. So join me in prayer, and uh, then we'll enter into a time of study. Father, I thank you for uh, these moments that we can come together today. I thank you that most of all we worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Human institutions, uh, government was, it, was initiated by you, families were initiated by you, But ultimately, we know that the church is what will last into eternity. And so that will be the content of our words today, the church, the family, and how that you are working so that relationships might be as they need to be from a biblical perspective. We thank you for those who have served, and Lord, we uh, praise you for what they have given. And uh, more than that, we pray that you would help us in the days ahead. Uh, Lord, we look around and we say to ourselves and perhaps to each other, the world is a mess. But thank you that we serve a sovereign God who is in control of the big things and the little things. And so we put our trust not in the governments of men, but in you. And we know that you will do as you choose today in the days ahead. We pray that you would be uh, gracious in uh, the midst of the conflict that is uh, going on over in the Middle East, in Gaza, Israel, and the Palestinian branch. Oh God, we, we, we pray that you would bring resolve to that and that you would protect and let the gospel go forward in great power. I prayed this morning for uh, a sister church that I have visited before the Dugit Uh, outreach center in Tel Aviv, a group of believers. They love you. They're Jewish and Palestinians, and Lord, I know that they're ministering the gospel in that place. So help them, Lord, to do just that. Now, help us to study uh, as we specifically look at a group within the church, and I pray it would be encouraging and uh, that it would convict as well in areas that it needs to. So we'll give it to you and pray all of these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Through the years, I, I really haven't spoken a great deal about my experiences growing up. Here and there, I know. 
but in, in general, I, I haven't. I'm grateful. Let me just say that first of all. I'm grateful to have grown up with parents whom I believe, I believe that uh, while they didn't always do things perfectly, I believe that they always tried to do their best with what they had. Is that fair? I, I really believe that, even though there were some uh, things in our family that I can see that could have gone otherwise. I'm grateful that we went to church. Now, back then when I was a little kid, maybe not so much. I, I loved going to church on Sunday, and I didn't even mind Sunday school. Uh, but we went on Sunday nights. We went on Wednesday nights. That seemed, it felt like a kid growing up a little bit much. And I remember kind of having a little bit of a sense of envy when I would show up at, and I'm talking about a grade schooler now, and this is years ago, but some of you might be of that age where you can relate to that. But I would show up on Monday, and all of the kids were watching, were talking about having watched The Wizard of Oz Sunday night, because it always came once a year on Sunday night, and I never got to see it until I was a lot older. But thank God my parents took me to church. It was never optional when I was a kid. I am grateful that we had the Bible laying around our house. But I regret that as far as I could tell, I, I could be wrong in this, but as far as I could tell, that the Bible stayed in the same place in our house all through the week, untouched. I'm grateful that while my parents took me to church and there we studied from the Bible, and they took the Bible to church in between Sundays, I, I never saw it being read by my parents. I'm sure my parents told me Bible stories, but I do not remember them speaking to me of spiritual things and how to apply the Scriptures to my life. I don't remember what, what Paul is saying to Titus, that we are to speak. That word means to blab. It means to everywhere you are, 24-7, that you're to speak of those things to your children and to your grandchildren as you have opportunity. I, I don't remember those spiritual discussions. In fact, I do not remember those spiritual discussions even with my grandparents. And that's why, looking back, I see a lot of disconnect in my own experience and then later on I take full responsibility for all of the choices that I have made, but I wonder, I just wonder if seeing the Bible in its place during the week, taken on Sunday, put in, put it, it was put back in its place, but never disturbed during the week, I wonder if that's what led me as a teenager to do what I talked about last week, and that is compartmentalize. You do something with the Bible on Sunday, you, you act in a certain way on Sunday, but then during the week you're doing life, and all of us do life and things that don't seem to be related to scriptural things, but there is little or no impact or input from the Word of God. Not only disconnect, but later I could look back and see a great deal of dysfunction and divorce, and, and that's what I grew up with. I remember hearing what I thought was the gospel. Get saved so you won't go to hell and be good. And I didn't really hear the full, the full meaning of what that gospel, the first importantness of that word that says Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He died for all of our sins. He died not only to justify us, but to sanctify us, to lead us in spiritual growth. 
that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day to give resurrection life and power to those of us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ so that we can walk truly as is symbolized beautifully in water baptism is walking in newness of life. That was then, this is now. We are living in a culture. You don't have to look that hard around you. We are living in a culture that increasingly, I think it would be safe to say, and if you remember back, we're, we're talking about Titus on the island of Crete, and he talks about Cretans. And I see, in, again, increasingly that our culture is becoming more and more Cretan And so living out the nuances of that on a daily basis of living the gospel is a challenge. And that's why, that's why right after writing, Paul writing to Titus about living in this culture and appointing elders in the church, and what does he move to right after that? I've said it over and over again, but I'll say it today as well. In order to have a strong church, Titus In order to have a strong church heritage, we will not measure our success according to numbers. Now, we want more and more people to hear the gospel, respond to the gospel, and be in church. We'd love that for the people that are on the rolls who never come to church, let alone others who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. But Titus really gets at something. Last week, we looked at a specific group of people and. And he, he is just going right down the line. Titus, if you want a strong church, if you want a good church, if you want a church that's full of the Holy Spirit, here's where you start. Chapter 1, elders, but here the first thing in chapter 2 is talk to the older men. And I did that last week. We talked to the older men. It, there, there were a lot of people who might have clicked out and said, oh, he's talking to the older man, that's not me. But I'm amazed at how the Holy Spirit will take biblical truth and apply it to everyone across the board. So this week, guess where we're going next? The next verse. Now, Paul has a particular way of stacking this together. So next he goes to the older women. Now, he's starting where we need to start. Let's start with the people who should be in leadership who should know these things to a certain degree. And he's saying, here's what I want of of your church. And let's make that as personal as we can. I want you, Titus, I want you, Marty, and elders, to see that you're doing your best and sharing this word. So, first of all, that you have a church that walks in purity. God wants a pure church made up of Pure families made up of pure individuals, not perfect, but walking in that sanctification, who are daily with the psalmist crying out, create in me, O Lord, a clean heart, a pure heart, a steadfast spirit within me. If you're going to seek purity in our culture, our Cretan culture, you're going to need steadfastness. Okay, older men, do you know what I mean? But also, he wants a unified church. He really does. He wants us to walk in unity. That doesn't mean uniformity. We have certain things that we believe and we we, we encourage. In fact, we require our members to believe certain things. And then outside of that, there is a wide range different things that we may, to one degree or another, disagree on, but we don't want those peripheral items ever to dissolve our relationship. And so he wants a pure church. We have to be careful. We also have to realize that he wants a unified church. This means he wants pure and undefiled and unified families, and pure and unified marriages, and pure 
and unified, whole individuals. It starts with your commitment to hear and then to speak, to blabber the things that you're learning day by day, week by week, as you're studying through the Word of God. Now, the three different groups, I talked about this a little bit last week. I will not go back and revisit it. But there are really only two groups of people in the church, men and women. And then he further divides them into older men and older women. Older men, older women, younger men and younger women. And he gives what we need to look at truly for the identity. The true believer needs to see these. And, and please, I, I prayed this all week that you would not see these as just instructions. But these are things that need to be lived out. And to the degree that they are lived out by the power of the Holy Spirit, they will not be seen as mere instructions. And here's another thing. They will not feel burdensome. You will not view this as a one-time thing. You get saved and after that you're on your own. You will not see this as something you do in your own strength. You're depending upon the Holy Spirit to guide you in everything that you do. You're seeing the gospel spelled out, the Holy Spirit leading you in the application of the Word of God. And there's one more thing that I have seen in this that I have wanted to get to, a lot of us have wanted to get to, and some of it is structural, but even more than that, I, I really think most of it is organic. And that is the, and you'll, you'll see it in the days ahead, there is an, an intergenerational kind of thing that's going on here in a healthy, in a pure, in a unified church. You're going to see it today as Paul tells Titus to tell the older women to engage with the younger women in church. There needs to be this kind of a cross-pollination between the generations, the older and the younger. Structure alone will not do this. Some churches structure for this. But what it will take is intentionality, the kind of organic view that will encourage grandparents to come alongside the, the children and the grandchildren so that it's not just sitting by each other on a Sunday morning. It's, can, it's, it's having a conversation during the week about these things. So I, I just encourage you today as we walk through these to look at ways that you're doing these things. I celebrate that. I celebrate the families in which these things are happening. But my guess is that there are a lot of families where we could see a kind of an upping of the ante in this conversation that needs to be going on. So let's just go phrase by phrase through what Paul tells Titus to tell to the women in the congregations. First of all, Older women likewise are to be. Now, let me stop right here. I don't know that anybody in this congregation is thinking this this morning. I anticipated that some, probably outside the church, would be asking a question something like this. Who am I to be instructing women? Because I'm a guy. And as much as I would like to say that I understand women, after almost 50 years of marriage, I'm here to tell you that I am still on a learning curve. But it heartened me this last week that I realized I'm not instructing you, older women. God is. And these words are clear and can be applied to whatever situation you find yourself. Now, here's one thing that I'll go back to what he said to everybody involved. As for you, 
speak or teach that which accords with sound doctrine. Older women, I know you're doing this, and I want you to encourage, I want to encourage you not to give up on doing this. I want to encourage you to keep on speaking. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't give up just because the one to whom you speak doesn't seem to be listening. Whether that is a young child or that is an adult child. And I talk to people all of the time because everybody has this kind of situation in one way or the other. And at some point you just feel like throwing in the towel because you, you talk and you speak and you try to insert the right way of doing things, the right thing according to the Word of God, and it just seems to be falling on deaf ears. And I'm so encouraged that I, I think Paul's attitude that, that I personally am encouraged by is, Titus, you're not omniscient, okay? Older women, let me say this about the, the, the people that you're trying to pour into, your children or your grandchildren or others in the church. No, you're not omniscient. You don't know all of their needs, but God does. So keep speaking the things that accord with sound doctrine. You're not omnipotent as much as you would like to. Women, older women, and I'll even include some of the younger women in here and even some of the, 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 the men as much as you would like to change that other individual, you're not omnipotent. You cannot affect change, but you can keep speaking the things that accord with sound doctrine. So you're not omniscient, you're not omnipotent, and you're not you're not everywhere at the same time. You're not omnipresent. Oh my, I know you wish you could be when certain people in your life are doing things and going places that maybe you don't approve of. No, but what you can do is what? Keep on speaking the things that accord with sound doctrine. And I am bolstered by the wonderful promise that God's Word will never return void. You don't dictate the outcome, all right? You just keep speaking the things that are true. Now, note what else he says in this little phrase, older women, likewise. Like what? Well, he's referring back to the characteristics found when he spoke to the men, likewise, just, just like the guys. And so some character qualities, listen to me please, are not gender or even age specific. And young people and even children, you ought to be, even as the younger men and younger women and older men and women ought to be sober-minded. You ought to be dignified. You ought to be self controlled. Now, it's interesting, of all of the qualities that, that Paul tells Titus to, 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 to look at, that one shows up more than any of the others, self-control. Sound in faith, in love, in steadfastness. We looked at that last week, and here is Paul telling Titus, Okay, ladies, I want you likewise, look back, all of these things need to apply to you. You know why? So that you won't compartmentalize and say, this is what I do on Sunday and this is what I do during the week. You know, th this is so important. Last week, last week, I had a teenager who asked me for some scripture. It's not a real common thing. It's not totally uncommon. But I, I was encouraged that this teenager at least 
at least respected age enough to ask about giving that teenager some scripture. And specifically, the teenager was asking about scripture having to do with anger. I, Lord, grant the day when teenagers all over this congregation are asking older Christians that they think may have an answer. That, that teenager did not ask what I thought. He asked for Scripture. That's saying something. Now, the question is, if we're to be speaking these things then do we have something that we can feed to a person? If I'm an older man and I'm going to be ministering to younger or peers or whatever, do I have something to give them? Well, what I told this young person was, look, you're a follower of Christ, aren't you? Yes. And I'm going to give you two scriptures. I'm going to give you Ephesians 5.18. I want you to look it up, and I want you to memorize it if you haven't. You know what Ephesians 5.18 says, don't you? Be filled with the Spirit. See, I could have given a regulation. I could have given a list of to-dos to that person, but what I wanted to do was to make sure that that young person knew how to apply the Word of God so that on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday at school or wherever that person was, they would know what to do from the Word of God. So I said, first of all, Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. That's continual. Be filled with the Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit control you. And then I said, here's the other verse. It's actually two. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Because if you're walking in the Spirit and seeking to do that every minute of every day, then the fruit of the Spirit will be born. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience. Maybe that would help with anger some, yeah. Faithfulness, gentleness, kindness, self-control. Wow, that's just what he's talking about. And that is exactly the kind of thing. Now, we're talking about older women, and in a minute we're going to see one of the most incredible ministries. It doesn't mention this to older men. It's our ministry too, but it specifically mentions that ministry that older women have. Wow, what power. So be speaking these things. Older ladies, likewise, are to be. Now, let's move on. Reverent in behavior. This is a really interesting word. It means temple-like. Huh? Ladies, older ladies, you're to be reverent. Well, that means temple-like. Well, what does that mean? It was used outside of the New Testament for priestesses. Is that the way you say that? lady priests in the temple, and they were to have a certain kind of demeanor, of bearing. What that means, older ladies, is that your bearing, your demeanor must be worshipful. And when you enter into the place of worship, and and this auditorium is a place where congregationally we come together to worship, and you're an older lady, you don't just flip a switch and start worshiping. All you are doing is continuing the way that you have been doing all this past week. And when you leave, what you'll be doing is exactly what you were doing in the presence of the Lord. Because guess what? Next week, every minute of every day, you will be in the presence of the Lord. In other words, older women are to act and to speak and to think as if you are in His presence because, guess what? 
you are. And I used this word last week. We talked about it earlier. If we do that, guys, too, if we do that, it will help us not to compartmentalize when we just see everything we do. Running errands. Yesterday, I cut down a tree branch. Can I cut down a tree branch to the glory of God? Yeah. Different things like that. Not compartmentalizing. Everywhere she is and all that she does is sacred to the Lord. She is Christ-like. That's what it means to be reverent in behavior. And believer, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ is in you. And so your behavior on a daily basis is a sacred duty, an act of worship. Do you see that? Does being in His presence motivate you to be reverent in all you do, in all you say, in all you even think? And again, um, this is going to be obvious. I'll show you a a verse that, that really illuminates this. But this kind of behavior, watch this, this kind of behavior is evangelistic. We talked a minute ago about Speaking, continually speaking, speaking, speaking. But one of the powerful things is that even when your children or your grandchildren or others in the church don't hear you speaking, they may not hear your words, but they watch your life. And that's why later on, Titus is is going to be instructed by Paul that the word of God may not be reviled. This is why you need to live this way so that the Word of God will not be reviled, so that the Word of God will not be condemned, so an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. I find this interesting that living in a fallen culture, even fallen men, fallen people can see when a woman specifically here or a person is being reverent in behavior. And then those are two negatives. Here's the positive. In everything they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior. Peter, in a parallel verse, says it like this. Look at this. Wives. This is across the board. Likewise, be subject to your own husbands. We know this, and this is one of the things next week we'll be talking about training younger women to do so that even if some of them do not obey the word, this is talking about husbands. They may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your, almost the exact same phrasing, your respectful and pure conduct. And so, what is the upshot of reverent behavior? God doesn't save us by grace so that we can live in disgrace. Let's move on. Not slanderers. Again, that's an interesting word. Just like reverent meant temple-like, this, this means something. It's an interesting choice that Paul makes. It's used as an adjective Once, slanderer. Twice, false accuser. That's the way that it's translated. But 35 times in the New Testament, guess how this word is translated? Anybody? The word is diablos, devil. Wow. You know, the translations are accurate. It means slander. It means falsely accuse. Don't do that. But the choice of words, when that letter was being read, had to slap some people in the face. Don't be devil-like with your words. By the way, you might add thoughts and actions. Words usually grow out of what you're thinking. And so do your actions. So think of it. And and by the way, I'm working through this this week, and I'm thinking about the older women in the church, and, you know, we're, we're saying all of these things. I'm just, I'm taking these things and applying them to myself. 
as an older guy that I, I need to know these things. And I need to realize that my words will be expression of the devil. They will be devil-like. And, and what, does the, what does the thief, the devil, come to do? To kill and to steal and destroy. Peter says, be watchful, be sober-minded. That doesn't mean always out there. It means a self-watch. Your adversary, the devil, the adversary, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And we do not want to fall into this problem that the Galatian church was falling into. They had anger. They had all of this stuff going on. And so right before Galatians 5, and 23, the fruit of the Spirit, look at the warning that Paul gives. And he's talking to church folks. And we could, we could bring this down. He's talking to families. If you bite and devour one another, watch out that you will not be consumed by each other. And so either my words, ladies, older ladies, either your words will be, let's face it, devil-like or they will be Christ-like. And, and, and again, it's just like that young person that asked me about dealing with anger. This, look, sanctification is work. Instantaneous justification, being declared holy, but we work out our salvation over a lifetime. Dealing with our words could be, second to dealing with our thoughts, one of the most challenging things that we do. And that's why over and over again in his letters to the churches, let no unwholesome word, rotten speech literally come out of your mouths, but only such a word as is good for edifying, for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And then he adds in another place, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer each person. And in my study, I prayed this week, Lord, I pray that my words would not be devil-like, but be Christ-like would be encouraging. And as I said last week, this doesn't mean that you have to always walk around with a false air of being pious, but that your words are truly encouraging. How many times, I know this has happened to you, have you been in a situation and you will be tempted to say something it may be something that you think is humorous. It may be something that you think fits so that there's a little bit of a dig or a cut or whatever. But something checks you. You ever been in that situation or is it just me? And something checks me. And yeah, I could go ahead and I could go ahead and I could get a cheap laugh. Or I could say something that may bring a, a, a degree of hurt. It's not really big hurt, although we never know. But the check is the Holy Spirit if you're a believer seeking to be filled with the Spirit. And so he checks you. Okay, what can I say in this situation which will be upbuilding, which will be edifying? And so that's why, again, in Colossians chapter 3, he says, You must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, the word that is in our text today, slander and obscene talk. We live in a culture, it's hard to even watch any movie that is not peppered with obscenity. And I talked a little bit about cussing this, this last week. It's obscenity. D don't let it be named. Seek to keep a watch over your mouth and your heart. A fascinating thing about obscenity, two things. I was thinking about this last week. What, when you hear people talk, or maybe even some of the words that you have used, whether intentionally or you slipped 
I'm not getting much of a response to that. But you know what I'm talking about. And it's interesting, cursing, also called swearing, oaths, almost always invoke the name and the person of God. I don't know I've, uh, that I've ever heard a person, and I'm not going to say the swear word that goes with it, invoke the curse Satan blank. But you hear people all the, say, all the time say God and then fill in the oath, the swearing, the curse, which violates the third commandment. God said, I will not hold guiltless he who takes the name of the Lord in vain. Now, it's either that, either using, invoking the name of the Lord, or it's, uh, how do I say this? It's a, it's a word that has to do with body function. Now, guys, have you ever heard a person described as that person has a potting mouth? There's a reason. That's what cursing is. Now, I don't hear that around here much. No, I, I don't hear it on Sunday. But see, that's where we compartmentalize. Boom! We're not going to say that unless we slip. I have had several people on a Sunday morning that have slipped. Sometimes in a good way, sometimes in a bad way. I smile and say, I'll pray for you. You pray for me, okay? I'll pray for you. You pray for me. Let's add that, okay? But that's essentially what it do not be slanderers. All right. Sins of the mouth usually are connected with the next one on the list. You say, well, Paul didn't tell men not to do this. Yes, he did. What are the qualifications of an elder? Why? Stay away. By the way, not angry or pugnacious, but also stay away from being drunk. Wow. Not slaves. Guess what word that is? Same word that Paul always used when he described who he was in his relationship with the Lord Jesus. I am a bond slave. You know what a bond slave is? A bond slave is someone who is not just a slave against their will. They're a slave because they want to, because they love their master. And that's what he's saying to the older ladies. Do not be enslaved to much wine. Let me broaden that. Don't be enslaved to anything chemically or otherwise that can become an addiction. And it's so amazing that Paul puts these two, slanderers and addicted to much wine, together. Because what does, what does alcohol tend to do? Not that I would know from personal experience. I've been told. What does it tend to do? It, it, it removes inhibitions. It removes your filters. Your Holy Spirit filter. You ought to have a Holy Spirit filter. Not a religious filter. A Holy Spirit filter. It removes those. Removes the inhibitions so that what's in the heart ends up coming out. And so that's why an older woman or anyone else for that matter who drinks too much may talk too much. may cuss too much, may invoke God's name in vain too much. And we don't want to be a bond slave to anything like that. We want to be a bond slave to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I've said this before. You cannot prove from the Bible total abstinence. There are many of us who take that position out of, it, it's something that we choose to do. We don't impose that as a church on anybody. 
Abstinence is not commanded, but temperance and self-control is. And this is one of the things that is said. I, I, I think this is safe to say. Some of you would know better than I. You could help me um, with this perhaps. But I don't really think that anyone sets out to become an alcoholic or an addict to substances or to things of the mind or to lusts of the heart. I, I just don't think they set out to become an addict or an alcoholic. And many times, here, here's what they're doing, and, and this, this is an application of the Spirit-filled walk. They're doing it to self-medicate. There's pain somewhere. Maybe present, maybe past. There's pain. You don't have to go to a counselor to know this. The Bible tells us that. Now, this is not a recommendation. This is just a, a statement of fact. Let them drink and forget their poverty. Remember their misery no more. Because, again, that's, that's what happens with a chemical like that. Slaves to too much wine. And that's why people who've come to, their, uh, to our church and maybe they've been involved with a ministry like Hope is Alive, Billy talked about earlier, and they begin to discover. And boy, when they do, it's, the lights go on and the power of the Holy Spirit takes His Word and they are set free and they can sing that song that we were singing a minute ago. Amazing grace, my chains are gone. And there is hope, and there is help, and there is power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, all of these things have been designed because God set them. He didn't put them in this book so that a preacher could get up and uh, step on toes of, of people unnecessarily. He set them out of love so that they could, these older women could become a certain kind of person worthy of respect. Now, this is the admonition that comes next that we will continue into next week. And they are to be speaking. They are to teach what is good. What is good, by the way? The book, Sola Scriptura, they are to teach what is good and so train the younger women. Today we have all kinds of seminars and conferences that women can go to, men, families, couples, and I, I, I'm not against most of those. <laughs> Some, yeah, maybe. Not, not against most of those. But back then, here was, the, here was the simple way this was to be handed down. Older women, the most important ministry that you have is not in becoming an elder, finding a church where you can do that so you can teach and have authority over a man. That is condemned in Scripture. But what is promoted wonderfully is this ministry of becoming a teacher of good things to the younger women. And we'll get into what some of those younger things are next week. But let me just say this as we close out. Don't have a spirit of fear. And there's some of you who hear this and you might think, oh, wow, I, I just... And I don't know if I can do that. Well, you can't, maybe, in your own strength and power. But has the Lord Jesus saved you? I mean, have you realized that you were a sinner and you repented of your sins? You trusted in Jesus Christ. You have been born again. You're now in the family of God. And, and as a member of your own family and as a member of the family of God, you have resources. Every older woman in this congregation, some of you are more verbal than others, some of you may be naturally gifted to be better teachers than others, but it looks as if Paul is saying to Titus to say to every older woman in the congregation, teach 
these younger women what is good. And I'm going to give you the resources in the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And you don't need to fear because God has not given us a spirit of fear. This is one of the first verses I memorized. Because I, I just didn't know that I, what am I going to do, Lord? I know the past that I've lived. How in the world can I get on top of these things in my life? And I've given you the resources. God has not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's another translation, self-control. So that you won't just walk out of here saying, I've heard another sermon today, but you'll walk out of here hearing that the Word of God has told you, older ladies, you have marching orders from no one less than the king himself. And you have resources from no one less than the king himself. And he will give us what we need so that we can in our families, marriages, church, and even as a witness to our culture, walk in purity and unity. Father, I thank you for your word. It's simple, but Father, not easy. And we must depend upon resources outside of ourselves, just as we depend on that from, from outside of ourselves for salvation. You've granted to us that our eyes were opened. You've given to us that we could hear your calling and come to you. You've granted to us the gifts of repentance and faith. And so we willingly came and cried out. And for many of us, most of us probably in this room, we have come into your family. We are children of you, our Most High God. Father, if there's anyone here that does not know the Lord, I pray that today he or she would realize that they are a sinner outside of your saving grace, but that through repentance and faith that they can come to you. Oh God, I, I pray that they would see it and respond. And Lord, I pray that increasingly you would give to our, uh, our families, marriages, our church, that vision for purity and unity that grow out of your word, empowered by your spirit. Now, Father, we celebrate the life of Jesus Christ today, and so we pray all of these things in his matchless name. Amen.